Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. Today is part two and the conclusion of a truly interesting interview with someone known as the life coach mom, Marilla Acebo. Now, Marilla is an actress, a producer, a storyteller. She has over 15 years of experience in the television industry. I mean, she's appeared in, in numerous films on television and national commercials as well. She's also the author of a truly fabulous book, which we've been discussing, titled SOS for the Mom. Now, this book addresses 10 common emotions that mom experience today and connects those experiences to 10 Bible moms who probably experience those same emotions as well. Amen. Now, if you missed any of the preceding episode in part one, go back and listen and catch up. Amen. I mean, she was sharing some interesting things in part one that we just don't have time to go over again today. And I don't want you to miss out on any of them. Glory to God. All right. Let's jump back into the conclusion of our interview now with Marilla Acebo. Yeah, you know, I, I I remember telling my kids when they were getting ready to go out on their own, you know, say that 17, 18 year old age area. And I'm trying to give them that pep talk of like, go ahead, you can leave now type thing. Right. And uh-huh. I, I tell them, you know, I served in the, as an example for you. Sometimes a bad example. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. There's always an example there. You know? yes, we can and, be uh, honest. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. Well, let's talk a little bit about your book, SOS for the Mom. Why did you write this book and why now? Mm-hmm. I wrote this book to my younger self, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, the short answer is motherhood ha- carries so much emotion to it it is loaded all seasons of motherhood i think are loaded and even to this day emotions run high for all of us and and i noticed in conversation with people just over the years i really started paying more attention to um, our conversations of hi how are you and i'm fine i'm good that's usually what you what you hear okay well that's that's not true (laughs) because we're more than fine and good once you start engaging more in conversation what I find is, and I do this too, is we start describing how we feel because we're feeling our way through life, through our day. And so people say, oh, this is how I feel. I'm really, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about my child. I'm worried about my job or my husband. Okay. So worry was a big one. And, oh, I'm really feeling overwhelmed. I'm really stressed out. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that this is going to happen. You know, so I started really picking up on the language that we use to describe how we're doing. And it's related to a feeling. And so I thought, oh, that's interesting. That's I, I'm going to get, I'm curious about that. And so, and just thinking about this deeply over time, you know, God really was showing me things that are just obvious to me. First of all, um, you know, our emotions are important. He gives us a heart we feel, and there's nothing wrong with feeling. There's nothing wrong with feeling deeply, but God really impressed on me over in this journey that 
you're more than just your feelings, right? Like obviously we're physical beings. We're created in a physical world. And so I can see you, you can see me, but there's so many aspects to us. He gives us, he gives us an intellect. He gives us a mind. We have a heart. We have a spirit, we have emotions. And so I started just really focusing on this one aspect of the many that make us who we are and to acknowledge them to the part of our, our well-being is to take care of ourselves emotionally. And I really feel like this is the woman's battle is to battle is to address our emotions is to acknowledge that we feel them and, and not and to express them safely to ourselves, not to be hard on ourselves and judge ourselves for feeling what we feel like the anger and the mom rage and impatience and um, all the, the controlling tendencies that we have. No, I think it's so much healthier to say I'm having a human reaction because I'm a human. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then take that and go, but what else is true? Can God help me with this, right? Start exploring because we can focus so much on the feeling and the feeling <clears throat> drives our, our uh, behavior and our attitude. And then we'll say things that we don't mean, or we jump ahead. And then later we end up just feeling regretful and shame and God doesn't want all that. Right. So Amen. Amen. Well, to be able to just express our emotions and then also just be objective over them, observe, okay, this is how I'm feeling what can help me right now? Lord, how can you help me? And really the gist of this book is the Holy spirit helps us. Like he lives, right. He's living within helping and guiding us, leading us, shaping us to be more like Christ. So he can lead me in this area. He can lead me in this area. I don't have to live a life that's emotions led. I'm to live a life that's Holy spirit led. And so acknowledging that. Day Explain day. that difference between living a Holy Spirit led life and the emotional led life. Mm -hmm. Well, the Explain. emotions led life is our nature. That That is our, I'll describe it as a fallen nature. That's the distinction. There's the fallen nature or old nature. And then there's the forgiven nature, the new nature. And that's clear in the Bible, right? There's the flesh and then there's the spirit. And so my flesh feels things and wants to then automatically lash out or react or get defensive, get critical, hurt back. I mean, if I honest, if I'm honest, I want sometimes like the revenge. I want you to be as mad as I'm mad about this, <laughs> right? That's the flesh. And then to be able to go, okay, that that's me. I'm having a, a, a reaction from the flesh but it takes a sound mind. God helps us have a sound mind. Take those thoughts captive, even those emotions captive, be reflective. I'm not, I'm saying this is easy. It's not, it takes work. It really does take work to be able to, to pause in a highly emotionally charged moment towards our kids, our family, our husbands. But where does that lead us, right? Reacting from those places really harms ourselves and harms relationships. So all of this really takes really that deeper understanding to go, okay, if, if this is how I'm living, things will never get better. My relationships aren't going to improve if I continue in this cycle. So let's visit the hope of the gospel, the message, right? We can fixate on our emotions and how this person made me mad or how my husband said this. I can fix my eyes on that, or I can fix my eyes on Jesus and the hope that comes from Jesus. He transforms everything. Amen. So he can transform 
Yeah. Let's go through some of the examples from your book, SOS for the Mom, because you have 10 examples of these emotions that moms experience today, and mm -hmm. you relate them to 10 biblical moms. What would they share with moms today if given the chance? Let's start with the mother of all of us, Eve. <laughs> yes, yes. So that's a great place to start. Yeah, as you said. <laughs> In the, the beginning. In <laughs> the beginning, God created a woman with emotions. <laughs> Okay, so I started, I went back to to, to Genesis, and, and what I wanted to do is bring the mother's moms to life, right? As an actor, I, I just, I, I'm very curious about the characters when I'm reading a script, and, and so when I'm looking at a script, this is me as an actor, um, before I may, I, I bring her to life, I ask myself just a lot, a lot of questions. Is it, it's a 360 perspective. Like, who is she? What is she about? What's she doing? What's driving her in the scene? What, it, what happened earlier in the day before this dialogue? And so that's a very natural skill for me. So as I was reading now, re revisiting these stories in the Bible, I wanted to bring the mother's perspective to that and go and pause, take pause on the story and go, okay, Eve. All right. So we know her failure in the garden. Okay. And then just started getting curious about her. How, did she live the rest of her life regretting that one mistake, that epic failure that changed the course of history? What did that do to her, her mindset? How did she then carry herself? Did she forgive herself? And so in doing that and just getting curious of what, where she might've been mentally, I started thinking, wow, okay, let me look at my life. Let me examine my life. Are there, are there past epic failures on my part that I still hold on to? How does that affect me today and moving forward? And so I really started getting into stepping into the shoes of these mothers. For example, with her, she now has her kids in a fallen world. It wasn't in paradise. It wasn't in perfection. So she never knew what it was like to raise children in Eden in a perfect state. So now sinful world, she has Cain and Abel, Cain kills Abel. All right. I'm like, let's press pause. She, first of all, losing a child. Okay. I can't think for very few things that are even worse than that or can compare to that. She lost two children that day, right? Abel, the one who was killed. And then Cain, as a mother, I wondered, did she take, did she feel responsible for that? Because I feel like as moms, present day, it's so easy for us to look at our kids, their behavior, their choices, what they're doing with their life and go, did I fail them? Oh, that was my fault. You know, I should have, I could have done it differently. I wish I would have. We live so much in this place of regret and maybe shame. And, and so I relate that to, to Eve and I just wondered, did she feel those things? And so I take some liberties to, to just assign a different emotion to the mom and explore their story, the story that they're attached to, the story that we're familiar with. And then also, and then to say, is it reasonable to think that she struggled with mom guilt or guilt in general, guilt over her sin? And so I continue to do that. So the next story is um, the story of Noah and, and yeah. Noah's wife's not even named. So I, I refer right. to her as Mrs. Noah and, and I explore the emotion of overwhelm with her because I thought, all right, this couple, they were called to the biggest mission of their life. You're going to build an ark because God says, I'm going to wipe out the world. So that means the world was pretty awful. <laughs> he says, I'm going to wipe it out. I'm going to start new and I'm, you guys are going to build this ark. 
whoever goes in it will be saved. And so nobody else was saved, but their family. So now I have to pause and go, I'm starting to think more deeply about this. What was the condition of humanity at that, that time? Well, not much different than probably it is today, right? right. There's yeah. a lot of corruption and God felt the need to wipe it out. And, and Noah didn't object. So that tells me he agreed, which also tells me that no, Mrs. Noah was raising kids. She has three sons. They're living in a hostile world. They're living in a secular world. So what's it like to raise children in a secular world, right? That's Amen. that's overwhelming. Getting in the ark, living. I don't know if people realize they were in the ark for about a year. So we know the story to be that it rained 40 days, 40 nights, but it, they were there for about a year. How overwhelming, how crazy making would it be to live confined for a year with your family <laughs> and animals <laughs> taking care of everybody. And then I thought, you know what? We got COVID. a taste of that. What a great analogy because yeah. we didn't know how things were going to be on the other end. Once we resurfaced and came right. out of our yeah, homes. Yeah. And I thought that's an interesting parallel for her. How that's must've been overwhelming. We have to start new from scratch. What's the world going to look like? Was she overwhelmed? I say yes. <laughs> I say she Amen. was. Amen. Amen. And, yeah. and then you talk about Sarah. Sarah? Tell us yeah. about Sarah. So I know, I remember learning about her story as a young girl and learning that she was the one that was impatient, <laughs> that she did not wait on God's timing to have a child. So God promises her that she will, and she's uh, over age. So um, her biological clock had stopped ticking. And, and so, okay, so she has this promise that she will have a baby, but how? And so she waits it out, right? And her son, Isaac, did not come for 25 years. So to me, wow, that is that is a test in, in patience, really. And so about halfway through, she runs ahead of God's timing. And so she decides she's going to bring this baby or have, have a baby through Hagar. So Hagar is her, her maidservant. Is that the right word? Her, mm-hmm. yeah. her assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and at the time, you know, we have to look at these things for the time at that time, you know, children, having children was of primary importance. And so she didn't have a child. And so Hagar slept with Abraham and they had Ishmael. Okay. So not the best plan. That wasn't God's plan. That wasn't a plan that he had for her and her impatience, her running ahead of God's timing had some consequences. And so so impatience, let's talk about that. What happens when we jump the gun on God's timing, right? God, God wants us to wait long periods of time. That's hard. How do we sit in obedience? I have a sermon on that that I I do from time to time about being impatient and jumping ahead of God's timing. And I said, the result is an Ishmael. And the question I have for you today is, how many Ishmaels do you have in your house right now? Oh, so good. I just got chills. That is because <laughs> you get people yeah. like, oh, we need a new car. Let's go buy a new car. Even though, you know, you can't really afford a new car right now. You're going to go get it anyway because That's you want right. it. You know, just right. like she wanted a baby. Yes. Now you're stuck with an Ishmael. Yes. And now what? And that story doesn't end well. I mean, it does. Yeah. It does ultimately. But in that right. moment. Right. Sarah's like, now she's got to go. This woman, Hagar, with her teenager, they got to go because I've got my Isaac. We're not getting along. And so that's one of the chapters in my book, too, is I talk about 
as a singleness as being a single mom. I'm not a single mom, but abandoned. Yeah. A single mom. Yeah. She was abandoned. Like literally Abraham packed her some goods, walked her to the desert and left her there. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible describes her emotion as sobbing that Hagar was sobbing. How am I going to provide for my child and for myself? And we're going to die here. And right. So to step into her shoes, her mindset, and I got a glimpse of that. I think just in my own childhood and my mom's worry about how is she going to provide for us on a minimum wage job? You know, she had a sixth grade education, didn't speak mm. English. And so she, we, that was tough. That was tough. Right. Yeah. But, but there, but it ends with a beautiful story. There's a beautiful ending to this. Yeah, it is. Amen. Hard story. Amen. Hard story Let's read. fast forward to the mother yeah. of Moses. Now, I can't imagine what she was thinking when she pushed that basket out into the river. Right. Right. I know. Okay. So some moms that I, that I revisited as I was writing this book really pulled at my heartstrings. And that was a big one for me, Jochebed. So Moses's mother's name is Jochebed. They're living in a time of great oppression and they're slaves. And um, the Jewish people are, <clears throat> so she has a, uh, a baby Moses and all the boys are being killed, right? That that's that, those are the orders from the higher ups. And at three months old, she decides I'm going to put him in this basket and pu- push him down the, the river. And so worry, the topic of worry, the emotion of worry is really what I attach to this chapter. So let's really consider, is it reasonable to think she was worried for her son. Of course she was. We're worried for our children. She re- had to release them or felt the need to release them at that time at three months old. And I'm sure she wondered, first of all, is he going to survive? Who's going to find him? What's going to happen? Will I ever see him again? Will he even remember me? Will he know who I am? Will I be able to hug him and kiss him again? All of those things just seem very natural as I unpack that story. And then I relate it to us. And our tendency to worry from the day that they are born. I think from the day that we become pregnant, I think there's just an element of natural worry. How is this pregnancy going? Is my baby developing? Um, is he or she healthy? And then once they're now born, I uh, worry is birthed along with our child. <laughs> they, it is. Amen. It's just our children come with this just the step because our heart just opens up. And I feel like all the emotions that we felt before are now even more intense after our children. And we want the best for them. We love our children. Um, And the, and worry, I don't think we stop worrying. Not ever. We'll be on, you know, I've witnessed the people and gone into the hospitals, you know, when they're on their deathbed and what, one of the biggest things they care about is their children. What you know, make, you know, here they are getting ready to go meet Jesus and they're still worried about their yes. children. Are they going to be okay? Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay. Well, let's discuss Rebecca. You have her as a controlling mom. How so? <laughs> well, the controlling situation. Yeah. So her story real briefly is the mother of twins, Jacob and Esau, right? So they, they're twins. And the Bible, this is so interesting, the details that were given, right? So J, um, So Rachel favors Jacob. Isaac, her husband, favors Esau. That's a very interesting dynamic, not a recommended one that we have a favorite (laughs) child, right? Especially now you are opposed to your husband. So I just imagine 
there was it created some issues some there. Tension. Some, some tension. Some tension. Okay, that's okay. a good word. Some tension. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so now yeah, Isaac uh... is blind. He's old. He's dying, and it's time to pass on the blessing, right? The inheritance, and and so now what's going to happen? Because they're twins, so they're both born on the same day, but yeah. But really, it should go to the older one. But God had made Rebecca a promise when she was pregnant. So that's an interesting thing to reflect on. He said to her, you have two wombs in your, in your, or two wombs, two babies in your womb. The younger will serve the older. So, so I was thinking about that. I thought, mm. gave her this promise. Maybe she felt like she needed to help God out. Help out. Yeah, I was going to give the inheritance to Esau. And she's like, uh-uh, not on my watch. So what does she say to her son? First of all. She's very crafty and that she says to Jacob, you're going to dress up like your older brother. You're going to smell like him. You're going to uh, give your father this meal. You're going to pose as your older brother. So you get the inheritance. And three times she says to her son, do what I say, do what I say, do what I say. So controlling a situation to guarantee an outcome in her mind, maybe she felt like I need to help God out here to make sure that what you said to me, Lord, you said the younger will serve the older. He's my favorite. <laughs> Let's deceive Amen. my husband. <laughs> Dress yeah. you up, give him the meal. And um, and so that's a control. And that's the rest a, is well, history. taking control yeah, of a situation. How often do we do that? We oh, want right yeah. with our yeah. with our spouses, with our children. We want the outcome that we see fit. And so yeah. we're gonna manipulate a situation. We're gonna say, just do what I tell you to do. Just do it. Okay. Never mind what you want. <laughs> Never mind what your opinion. Because, you know, sometimes we just feel like we have all the answers. Nobody can do it like us. Everybody else is incompetent. Or I just don't have the patience to hear you out. Just get this done. Those are controlling tendencies. Amen. Amen. What about loneliness in marriage? You talk about oh. Rachel. Yes. Well, I talk about uh, Leah, Leah. Leah. Yeah. Leah and Rachel. Yep. Leah and Rachel. Yeah. They're sisters. So Leah and Rachel are sisters. Jacob wants to marry Rachel. He loves Rachel. She's so beautiful, but her sister, Leah, not so beautiful. The Bible describes her as having dull eyes. I mean, to me, that's like, that is not a compliment as a woman, right? <laughs> If her sister is being described as beautiful, that makes me think Leah was ugly. I don't know. I'm just going to take the liberty to say unattractive. There was something just unattractive about her, but she was the older sister. So, so Jacob wants to marry Rachel, but what does, what does Rachel and Leah's dad do? He's like, no, Jacob, you don't know that this is coming, but (laughs) you're going to marry one of my daughters. It's not going to be your first pick. Okay. So he, Jacob marries the daughter and then sort of accidentally or he was deceived into marrying Leah. So he takes his vows or however that looked and finds out, okay, what on their wedding night or the morning after you're, who are you? I married you. I don't love you, Leah. I don't, I love Rachel. So he ends up marrying Rachel again. Okay. So now we have a sister wife dynamic here. Interesting, right? The competition between the two. Rachel knows she's the loved one. Leah, not so much, but so interesting that Leah has children first. That's the one who has kids, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but Rachel can. So isn't that interesting that each of them likely wanted what the other had? Because Mm -hmm. Leah didn't have Jacob's 
love, at least the romantic love um, that I imagine she wanted, but she had children. And here's Rachel has her husband's love, but no children. So I explore that a little bit more, Um, but really it's about loneliness. It's really, Mm -hmm. it's, it's just the loneliness that she must have felt knowing that her husband didn't love her. And there's a progression on the names that she gives her children. So initially the names that she gives, because she has so many of them, (laughs) it's very, um, it's very descriptive of her mental state. And I I don't know exactly what the names meant, but they do mean anguish or sadness or something like that. And then at some point, the Bible tells us that she has this encounter with God and that she realizes there's no greater love than the love of God. Jacob's love would not satisfy her in the end. It was returning to her maker, her creator, and understanding the love, the great love that he has for her. And how we know that her heart was transformed is because the next child, the name that she gives him was was in honor of of God. And I can't remember on the, the moment. I think it was something like to the God that sees me or something like that. And so we see her transformation there. Like the greatest love of all is the Lord was the Lord, not the love of her husband who would be flawed and imperfect and wouldn't be able to measure up to her demands because no man can do that. (laughs) Then you talk about Bathsheba as a suffering mom. Share about that real quick. Bathsheba. So I, I describe her as a suffering mom, her along with Mary. I combine them two in that last chapter about suffering in motherhood, because we will suffer in motherhood. It is part of this journey. I mean, we will suffer in life and then also with, with our children. And so her story is that um, she, uh, well, I can't really describe her story without describing King David. <laughs> and right. Yeah. David, yeah. My king, we know about him. <laughs> we know that story. Okay. So they end up um, together and she ends up pregnant um, and David kills her husband essentially in battle. Um, and so now she's pregnant and she, she loses her baby. I mean, it's so, it's so tragic. So we, we, we look at that first half of the story and go, Oh, all this that happened. And, and maybe we're just, the details are maybe not so clear. And who did uh, that story sort of is loaded with different interpretations. So I'm going to just fast forward to the part where now King David marries Bathsheba. That's, that's interesting. That's, I I find that super interesting that after what had happened um, and now she's pregnant and she loses her baby. And so I'm thinking the suffering she must've endured. And first of all, you know, being with the King um, as a married woman and then also all of it, right. The (laughs) gossip, what happened under what conditions husband was away her husband is now killed I and mean, she must have been grieving her husband is killed in battle so there's that her she loses her baby i mean those three things i think in under a year i mean if i did the, my math correctly that's a lot those are a lot of big blows losing losing your your spouse losing your child and so she marries king david and in the end she has this trans a heart transformation like bible describes them as she loves her husband at some point. I mean, how does what happens there? There's a lot in between. We don't know, but we just right. know that the Lord's hand was over that and that she then has her baby, which is Solomon. 
and he next ends up being a great king. At least at first, things change, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> but he plays an important role. But so not so all to say, why I explore all of these stories is to help us moms in present day look to scripture, look to the moms in the Bible as examples of moms who have gone before us, who have faced really hard things, really emotionally charged things. We're not alone. We're not in everything that we feel and the hardship that we go through. You're not alone. It's not just you. Sometimes we feel like, oh, it's just me. Everybody else's life seems so great, especially in light of social media. And so on a dark day, we're honest, like on a dark day, we think like, it's just me. I'm not doing it right. And why is life so hard for me? And why am I suffering? Why is my child, why why does he or she have an illness and I can't fix and I can't they're making decisions and this is a reflection on me. And so now I'm hard on myself and I feel guilty and now I'm overwhelmed by all of it. Okay. That's a lot. That is a lot. So time out, mom, time out. It's okay to feel all those things, but it's not okay to stay there. It's not okay to stay stuck there. So we got to press pause. We got to go back to scripture and we got to Let's get inspiration from the best stories of all time. This is history recorded for us, meant to give us life and perspective and give us something to reflect on greater than ourselves. That's true, which is the word of God. Marilla, this has been so interesting. and I'm so blessed to be able to offer your book to our audience. How can someone obtain a copy of your book, SOS for the Mom? Is it available on Amazon? Absolutely. Yep. It's available on Amazon. So it's SOS for the Mom. A Christian Mom's Guide to Managing Emotions. So that's Amen. the secondary title. It can also be found on my website. So my website is my name. It's www.morellaacebo.com. Uh, I also have uh, Life Coach Mock Comedy content. So if you're looking oh, that's, for this, That's good, folks. You need um, to check humor. that one out. Oh, <laughs> boy. I, I couldn't get enough of those videos. I, I watched you know, probably seven or eight of those videos. Oh, There's they're short, they're short, but they're funny. They are super funny. That's you cool. will enjoy that. Amen. So if someone wanted to get in touch with you to ask a question, maybe even do an interview like this, how do you want them to get in touch with you? Yeah. Well, a couple ways. Uh, I do have an Instagram page, so you can definitely DM me there at life coaching by Morella. That's my handle. And then always send me an email. I would love to know how this interview encouraged you or how the book has encouraged you. And so my email is life coaching by Morella at yahoo.com. Amen. Amen. I'll put links to all that in the show notes below folks. SOS for the mom as we said, is divided into 10 chapters, which correspond to 10 mom emotions and 10 Bible moms, which you can learn from. Each chapter includes specific Bible verses to reflect on and insightful thoughts from the life coach mom herself, Marilla Siegel. In this book, she will help you to navigate those emotions of motherhood, help you to find strength in your faith. This book is a guide for moms of all ages and all stages of parenting, and it will be a blessing to you no matter what stage of being a mom you're in. Men, you just may want to surprise your wife with this book too. Let her know you care, even just a little bit, about the challenges she faces on a daily basis. Amen. I urge you to drop down to the show notes, reach out to Marilla, ask your questions, get more information on our coaching program, but you definitely, definitely need to order her book, SOS for the Mom. Amen. This book will be a blessing and encouragement to you for sure. Marilla, thank you again for coming on the program today and visiting with us and discussing this all-important topic, SOS for the Mom. I appreciate your time today. 
I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Amen. Folks, that's all the time we have for today. For Marilla Siebel, myself, this pastor by reminding you to be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.